Doesn't the, uh, doesn't the uh, volume sort of drop drastically once all the children take off? And so that, that may be actually a bit of an advertisement for that date night stuff that Dale had before, you know, like, you know, a little bit of peace and quiet, you know, when the kids leave home for those, peop- those parents with children still at home, you don't get to do that very much. Um, something about just when there's not a lot of noise happening. All right. Um, we've actually, today we're actually coming in the back of, uh, we're actually running a three-part series called Don't Go Back, uh, Don't Make Me Come Back There. And what, what this series has been about is basically we're looking at the, what our values of Refresh are. And if this is, this is your first time Refresh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing your prep if that's what you did or turning up with your family or whatever, what it, for whatever reason you've, you've turned up here today. Uh, and they, for those people who've been here for the last few weeks, you sort of get a bit of an idea um, what we're on about. Last week we talked about service. We actually had, this week we've had, I don't know how many, 40 or 50 preppies up the front. Last week we had 40 or 50 year 10, 11, 12's up the front. Uh, so we've had, we've had a few extremes here at North Pond. And last week was, uh, we did a bit of a report, a few stories about some of our Storm Co, which is, for those who may or may not know, uh, a, service, a service week or a couple of weeks in the case of the crew that went to Cambodia. And so we just came back and shared some stories. And, and, and the service is probably a pretty big part of who we are here at Refresh. And probably this week I want to talk about um, something that I would hope that we can have as one of our core values of who we are here at Refresh as well as I guess that integrates into our North Point community and, and that is being real, uh, that is being genuine, being, being, being real in who we are and that's sometimes easier said than done, all that sort of stuff uh, and some of the stuff that we talk about here uh, particularly today I just I guess just want to make a bit of a note that we, we often we often steal a lot of material off other people, so I just, you know, just giving the credit to where credit's due. Um, uh, North Point Ministries is a fantastic resource and we use a lot of their stuff. But today we're going to look at, at the values of Refresh and in particular about keeping it real and what that means. And I would hope if, if, if you're like a senior student, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a student, then I hope this, you'd go, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, or if you're a young, young adult, you know, uni age, whatever, or if, you, if you're a parent, or, you know, if this, is the, if this is the first time you've been in a church just because you've come along with your preppies, maybe, I don't know, or if you've been to church, you know, every day of the week, you know, since you were born, what, I hope for every single person here today that there's something in this for you, and I think there is, uh, and the scripture that we're going to open up, we look at a few texts in the Bible, that sort of stuff, I really, I really believe there's something in this for all of us, and I guess we all, we all sort of have a tendency to, at times, not be so real, no matter who we are, whether we believe there's a God or whether, you know, or whether we're just out and out, nah, I don't think God exists. No matter who you are, um, we all certainly have a tendency not to keep it so real. Watching kids. Uh, I, most of you may know, but for those who may not, I, I have four boys. Uh, you can sigh now. No, no worries. Uh, I have four boys. The oldest one is, uh, is, is a teenager. Uh, he's in high school. And the youngest one is a prep. He wasn't up there today because he had a broken wing and he was a bit nervous about doing that whole cooperation thing because he didn't feel like he could cooperate. But he, uh, he sat in the back and watched everyone. Um, but, so I've got four boys. But it's interesting watching, watching the family grow. And if, you, and if you know, plenty of people here don't have children of their own, like younger people and 
that's good, uh, just saying. Um, but you can think back yourself when you were younger. Think back yourself when, when you were little, you know, probably, probably your earliest memories might be, you know, four or something like that, four or five or three or four maybe if you think you've got a good memory. And you think back about how you developed. And I guess particularly in, in the area of, of doing what's right and wrong. And I can think when, back when, and I'll embarrass, I'll, I won't embarrass, but I will embarrass Lachlan, he's not in here, but I remember when, when Lachlan, my oldest boy, when he was only a baby, when he was only very little, he, you know, you'd try and teach them what is right and wrong. And it's that stage in life when they just begin to crawl. And once they begin to crawl, particularly if you haven't had a kid around before, and that was our case with our first, obviously, you have to start to, to kid-proof your house. Uh, and, you know, for all the parents in here, you go, yeah, I know what that means, you know, pot plants, you're talking cupboards with, with um, crockery and stuff in the bottom, or now they have to go up the top, or glasses. You, you know, you walk around the whole house, and then there's, there's, like, cleaning products in laundry cupboards, and there's all over the place, there's these things that you have to think, oh, man, now that, now that little kid can get to them, and if they got into that, that would be, you know, it could be catastrophic. And so you start to, to kid-proof your house. And, you know, you put locks on uh, cupboards, and, and, but there are some things that just... You just have to teach them, no, that's not acceptable. You know, like playing with PowerPoints and, and you know, touching. Is it, I don't know if it happened for you, but I can probably imagine it did. TV cabinet or something like that, you know, the DVD player, video player, whatever it might have been back when your kids were young. Uh, and there's those little, you know, little flashing green or red lights and they're just like, man, there's buttons everywhere. And it's just like, it's just, it's just like, it's just like a bug to a light, you know. They're just, they're just, they're just going for that stuff. And I remember, I remember we would teach, you know, you try and teach the kids, okay, this is something, we, we can't really put this one away, you're just going to have to learn, this is a no-go zone. This is just something that you don't do. And so you start, so you've got two, two sort of, well, you presume you're sort of perfectly normal adults, now walking around the house, you know, calling out like some weird bird, you know, calling, you know, just going, ah, 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 you know, that's, that's sort of where your language goes to. And you walk around the house just going, ah, ah, ah. And one day I remember, after we'd had this, had this happen for a few weeks, we came out into the lounge room, and here's Lachlan, who's, I don't know how old he was, but he, you know, he's only crawling around. Um, but he's basically, he's swearing at the TV. And he's got his finger out, and he's pointing at the TV, and he's, ah, 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 you know, he's giving this TV a hard time. He's pointing at it, ah, 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 because he knows, mate, that's, that's what you say to a TV, because we're saying it to it all the time. And so there's this idea of right and wrong. And, but, but, you know, like, you, you've probably seen this, and if you haven't had kids, maybe you've seen other, you know, maybe younger nephews or something like that, or nieces, or whatever it might be, but when a kid, when a kid sees something they know they can't touch, and this is this, I guess this um, this battle between you know right and wrong and what's going on in their mind, and they see this thing they can't touch, and they like they want it, like it's like like I said before, it's these little lights flashing and there's buttons everywhere, and it's just like man, I could really easily put a sandwich into that video machine. Who's had that happen? Yep, well you have, and and you have you know, and they're like just they're they're there, they're they're, they're ready, and then they see you in the room, and it's this. They're looking at you, and they're looking at the machine, and it's just like, what do I do? You know, like, I want this, but, I, but there's consequences over there. But it's too much. Like, and, and they just put their hand out, and they're like this. They're like watching, you know, watching you. And I don't know, maybe I've got it wrong. I'm not a child psychologist or anything like that. But for me, if a kid looks at what they want and then look back at you knowing that that's the wrong thing to do, they get it, all right? So even if they're only six months, they know right and wrong. They know that that's, a, that's something they shouldn't be doing. And so, but there's this concept when they're really, really little that, that you know, what, even though, I, even though I know it's wrong, I'm just going to do it anyway. And then, then they grow up a little bit and, and I guess they, they become a little bit more 
sneaky. And it gets to that place where it's like you, you, you're doing something, you know, you might be doing something outside or you're doing something in the kitchen and all of a sudden you're thinking, it's real quiet. I haven't heard it from the kids for like half an hour or more. And you know instantly when that, when that, when that sort of dawns on you, think they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Because they've learned, their behaviour's been modified in such a way, and they've learnt right and wrong means, well, if I'm doing wrong, I just don't want to tell anyone about it. And so, you know, they're real quiet, and so you start looking around, hey, boys, where are you, know, where are you boys? Until you find them, you know, doing, playing with something, pulling toothpaste apart, or, or you know, drinking dishwashing liquid or something, whatever it might be. And then, from that stage, as they grow a little bit, this is, and this is a bit of an interest, I like this stage, they learn to lie, and I mean, I don't like to lie. But, but when they first learn to lie, or when they first think about lying, they're not real good at it, and that's what's really funny. And they, you know, did you do this? And they're like, they've got stuff all over, and they get, you know, peanut butter all over, or whatever it like, might be. Did you been eating the peanut butter? No. You know, like, it's just like, meh. And that's real easy. That's pretty, you, you feel like a pretty good parent at that stage, because you can nail them right there, and you know that you haven't made a mistake. And so they're, they're at that stage which, where, where, where they, they, they're wanting to lie, because they know what's right, and they know what's wrong, but they haven't quite figured out how to hide it. And then they get to the sneaky stage, where they can start to hide it. And this has probably happens, I don't know, maybe for your child it happened when they were two, I don't know, but maybe you know, more likely around day 10 or 11, I don't know, when they start growing up a little bit and they start getting pretty cunning at how to hide the lie. And, and we've all done it. I bet you every single person, no matter who you are, you could think back, yeah, yeah, I lied to mum and dad, or, or yeah, someone's lied to me, I remember that. And it's funny... Um, for this last few days, we've been selling yo-yos. Now, don't throw anything at me just now. If you're a parent that's um, had a kid come home and say, oh, I want a $20 yo-yo, um, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, but it has a good moral, okay? Ned, and, you know, never give up. Encourage others, do your best, okay? So it's good. Just keep telling yourself that. Um, we're selling these yo-yos at, it's at lunchtime, and we had this, I don't know, I don't even know who, what her name or what year she was in, but probably one or two, or preppy, maybe one or two, and she comes in, pretty sweet little girl, and she says to me, she says, um, I'd like a yo-yo. No worries, we're selling yo-yos. So, okay, which yo-yo would you like? She points out to this pretty pink one. Okay, have you got your money? No. I said, oh, well, there's a problem, you know, like, we're going to need some money. Oh, mum's bringing it in after lunch. Okay. Um, so, when after lunch? She said, oh, no, after lunch, mum said she would bring the money in. I said, mm, okay. Well, we'll probably have to wait to give you the yo-yo until mum comes in with the money. And she goes, Okay. And she sort of half walked off and then she turned around and says, I've got a good idea. I said, what's that? She said, how about you give me the yo-yo now and when mum comes back after lunch, then she can pay you the money. And you know what? Part of me really just wanted to give her the yo-yo. She was pretty cute. But like, it's like, uh, and we never saw mum, right? Like mum never turned up. Like she was just trying to, she didn't have the money. Mum probably said no a thousand times. I don't know. Maybe that's your key. I don't know. Uh, I apologise if it is. Uh, but the funny thing was she turned around and went back to the end of the line and then come back in again and tried it on Simo, same story. I said, oh, we've heard this one before. She tried hard. We get a bit older, we grow. This whole, this whole battle between what's right and wrong and all that sort of stuff. We get, hit the teenage years. And when you get to teenagers, now, mum and dad might think they're all over it, but you know that you've got them worked out, right? You know what buttons to press and when to press them, and you know that what you can probably get away with and what you can't get away with. And, you know, it's... You could, you could work the system a bit, right? You know, you, you, you play the cards, you, you tell them this and you, you give them a good reason and they're like, they're sort of scratching their head thinking, oh man, that sounds like a good reason, but underneath there's another motive. There's something else going on. And, and then we get to adults and we probably do that more and more in any case. Um, 
But all along, I guess we learn to navigate through life with these, with these filters in place. With, with what really happens in our heart, is not my, it may not actually be why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, we can lie to others or we could maybe lie even to ourselves, but we have these, these motives that, that may not actually line up with what we're really trying to do here. And, um, you know, we learn. We learn. We learn what to say. We learn what not to say. And when we're taught what to say and what not to say. You know, as parents, you, you teach your kid, no, you can't say that. You shouldn't say that. Or when this happens, you don't. So, so we learn this stuff. We learn what to say. We learn what not to say. We learn, we learn what to do and what we shouldn't do and when that's appropriate. Like we, this is behaviour modification. We, we learn this stuff. And it's sort of like an external pressure that's put over us. And this is, and this is, this is the, the confines of what we're trying to, to do here. Um, you know, we learn what, you know, where to go and where not to go. We learn out who to hang out with and who not to hang We learn all this stuff. We're told all this stuff. But what's really going on in the heart? And that's, that's probably sort of the, the, um, the thing that I want to sort of look at a little bit today about what, what's going on in the heart. What, what's happening is it just the external stuff that's important or, or are we living life with a filter and is there something else happening in our, in our heart? And, you know, we learn, we learn what to do in classes. I know there's teachers here, but, you know, you've got to, you got to sort your teacher out as far as, you know, you need to know what they expect, you know, and some teachers will say, I expect... I remember at uni, we had this teacher, that, this lecturer that said, I don't want any froth and bubbles, I just want the facts and I don't want any, you know, any padding out and all this sort of thing and so you're sort of just giving the facts mate and he just crucified us he just got bad marks give him froth, froth, and, um, froth and bubbles and, and padding and give you a good mark so you just had to you know you had to learn by experience what it was that they were actually after uh, you know we learn we learn how to to get a girlfriend or get a boyfriend and what to say in order to make that happen we learn you know we learn how to keep a boyfriend how to we learn you know further on down the track what it means to be you know to, to be married all that sort of thing we learn how to, you know, what to say in an interview to get a job. You know, this is, you know, it's all very, you know what I'm saying? Like when you go in an interview, you've got to dress this way, you've got to say these things they're going to be looking for, so we need to say. So there's all this external stuff that's placed on us. And, and what's that mean? But, and this is, this is a big build-up, but here's the big but. Here's the big but. Wait for it, I'm going to pause. Ready? Pause for effect. He's pausing for effect. Every now and then, even though we know what to say, we know what we should be doing, and we know how to say it, every now and then, something slips out, and we say to ourselves, oh, this is sort of the punchline, right? So I'll, I'll pause for effect again, ready? We say to ourselves, something will slip out, and we'll just think, whoa, where did that come from? And we surprise ourselves, and the people around us are just like, hang on a minute, what? did you just say that? Did you really just, did, did that person really just say that? And we... And all of a sudden we're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And, and so we think to ourselves, <clears throat> well, that's sort of slipped through the filter there somewhere and I need to make sure that never, <clears throat> excuse me, that never happens again. Um, so, there we go. Does everyone else feel like coughing? Need to cough at the same time? Um, so we, so something, something slips out and we're just like, wow, where did that come from? And people around us who, who may never have heard that before are going, ooh, I didn't know that was possible. That's, that's not normal. Because quite often we, 
we suppress that sort of stuff and we learn to live within the confines and we learn to filter our behaviour, we learn to filter our words. But what's really going, in the heart, going on in the heart? Now, here's a classic example. This, this is a real easy one. Like here at North Pine, um, if a kid is swearing their head off and saying all sorts of profanities, there's a good chance that they'll find themselves in some pretty, pretty serious trouble, okay? So mums and dads, you can be confident that will happen. <laughs> that, that does happen. Uh, but while there's no teacher around, you do hear that that sort of stuff takes place. So, so what? There's an external pressure. There's an external filter. But what's really going on in the heart is not necessarily the same thing. Uh, so sometimes this stuff pops out when we least expect it. Sometimes it happens when we're like, you know, some, you, you know yourself, you might say if you're a married person, sometimes the filter gets a bit thin and sometimes you, you're much more yourself. And, and this is probably pretty important too if you're, in the, if you're in the phase, if you're a student and you're still in the phase of, you know, dating or one day I'd like to and all that sort of stuff and then... You know, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that every now and then this stuff pops out and you think, wow, where does that come from? That's not normally like them. Well, maybe it is. Just saying, like, maybe it is. There's a little, little tip there. But, but, you know, when this sort of stuff happens, when this stuff pops out, maybe that really is an indication of what's actually happening in the heart. Maybe that's an indication of, of what's taking place. And, and that's, I guess, as a is an issue that we might need to have a think about. And like I said, sometimes that might happen when you're a bit tired and that whole filter's not quite there, you're stressed or something, or, you know, if you ever, if you ever looked in the rearview mirror and you see, like, blue and red lights flashing and just something will pop out and you think, oh, oh man, I've got kids in the car, like, I like, I've never even said that word before, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it just pops out. So I'm going to turn the Bible um, to, to a, a, a verse in Matthew. And, and here in Matthew, I'll just give you a little bit of context to, to this verse. Here in Matthew, uh, Jesus is basically addressing uh, a group of guys who, who are big on, on showmanship. They're big on what's on the outside. And Jesus is basically trying to make a point to say, you know what, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's not how you dress it up, it's what's going on on the inside. It's got to be from the inside out. So I'm going to go to Matthew, um, uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18. And it says this. Uh, I'm just going to throw it up on the screen probably in a tick. But it says this. The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. The things, the things that come from a person's mouth come from the heart. Now when you start thinking about that, you're thinking, well, like practically, what, what is that really meaning? Like, what do we, like we talk about coming from the heart, and I've mentioned that about you know, a dozen times already, about stuff coming from the heart. What does that mean when you say it comes from the heart? Like, you know, doesn't, isn't it the brain computing? Isn't it, you know, what's in your mind that makes sense? Well, it's, it's this concept of it comes from deeper down somewhere. It's, it's who you are. It's, it's, like your, it's like your core. And Jesus says here, he says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. In other words, what's said is, what's, is what really goes on here. And so you have to start thinking, well, when something slips out and you, you, know, you might say some profanity that you think, well, where did that come from? According to Jesus, he'd say, it comes from your heart. 
or if you if you sort of fly off the handle sometimes at some you know at someone a friend or a husband or a wife or a, I don't know whoever and you think I don't even know I didn't even want to say that like I didn't I, that wasn't me like <laughs> I wasn't planning that it just came out where did that come from Jesus say comes from the heart and you're like that's not right like I'm not that sort of a person am I like well where else does it come from it comes from the heart and so he's sort of having this little reality check of where does this stuff come from where does this sort of you know where do these actions come from where do these words come from Jesus turns around and says everything that comes out of a person's mouth it comes from the heart um, and eventually no matter how I guess how much you want to filter your actions it'll eventually come out and sometimes something will come out and you think man you might say something to somebody or you say something nasty and you think man where does where does that come from and you think oh, i am never going to say that again and you resign in your own mind to think you know if that ever situation ever popped up again i'm never going to say anything i don't want to i don't want to hurt that person i i, I want to make sure that filter is so tight that you know that nothing bad comes out and i don't get myself into trouble or whatever it might be and you and so you work on the filter you work on the on the filtering system that stops stuff coming out but what we're really doing is we're working on the outside, not on the inside. We're working on the external, not the internal. We're working on, on what other people see, not the real us. And that's the difference. And like I said right from the start, you know, I'd love to think that refreshes a place. And you know what? We're all people. We're all humans. I do it all the time too. But that we have this, uh, this goal, I guess, of just being real, of being, being, a, of being genuine and not having to put all that stuff on the outside. But you know what? This is us, this is us. Now, maybe there are some things you might need to keep filtering, I don't know, but just uh, you know, to be socially acceptable, maybe, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? How do we keep it real? And Jesus says here, everything that comes out of the mouth, it comes from the heart. Um, it's interesting because I guess I'm a parent, I know a lot of you aren't, but there's a lot of parents here as well. And as a parent... When, you, when you're watching your kid grow and, you, and you're seeing them, you know, from the walking around, playing and fiddling with, or crawling around and fiddling with PowerPoints and, and things like that, and you're trying to teach them no to, as they grow up and as they become teenagers, and that's all I've got so far, just a young teenager, but you would hope, and I guess, I reckon I could probably be pretty accurate that most of us here would think, you know, I'd love to be able to raise a kid that had pure motives, that had a pure heart, that was like, that, that didn't have a sneaky side to them, that, that you know, they went around and They'd say one thing, but really were doing something else. And, or they'd say something to your face, but behind your back, no one wants a kid like that, that I know of. I don't know anyone who wants a kid like that. But quite often, maybe not in every area of our life, but often that's what we do as adults. And as, you know, as young adults, that's what we do. We, we, we're happy to sort of work the system. We're happy to, to say what someone else wants to hear, but that's not really us. So what are we going to do about it? Um, I'm going to duck over to another verse. Uh, it's Proverbs 4.23. Now, in Proverbs, uh, we have a guy who, who the Bible talks about as the wisest person who has ever lived, and which is Solomon, the guy who wrote Solomon. Uh, sorry, the guy who wrote Proverbs, King Solomon, his name. Now, this guy had, this guy, this guy had people all over the known world, so to speak, come to him because he was so wise. Not, so, not necessarily so, you know, had all the brains, as in 
had all the facts and figures. He wasn't that sort of annoying person who just rattles off, you know, people who just rattle off like trivia, you know, just constantly. And it's just like, man, that's annoying. Um, just because they're just, oh, did you know? Oh, did you know? Oh, did you know? And you're just like, oh, man, I don't really care. Just saying. But this guy had something different. He wasn't that sort of, he wasn't that sort of knowledgeable guy. He was, a, he was a guy full of wisdom. He was a guy who, who people would come to him and, and just ask him stuff and, and they'd just go, wow, where does he get that from? came from God. But because he asked him, but he was that guy. And, and in Proverbs 4.23, uh, he says this, and so, and he, he writes just for your information, if, you're not, if you don't know your way around the Bible, that's all cool, but I'll just let you know that he writes a whole heap of stuff and he, he writes a whole heap of things on wisdom and, and, and how to do, live wisely and make good choices. He writes a whole heap of different stuff. But here, he writes, he says this, above all else, in fact, if I just pause there, above all else, remember, he's written a whole heap of stuff and this is what he says, Whatever else I've written, whatever else I've said, this is it. This is at the top of the. This is at the top of the list. This is this is the pinnacle. This is where if you want nothing, if you want to remember just one thing, have a think about this and remember this. Take this on board. This is important. He says, above all else, guard your hearts. He got it. He knew it. And this is where I guess I'm getting my information from, because I don't naturally, I guess, live in this world. It's something that I probably had to learn. But you know what? It comes from the heart we we learn external behavior we learn behavior modification we learn when it's okay to say this and when it's not okay to say the same thing we learn when it's okay to do you know do a certain thing here but it's not okay to do it over there we learn that stuff and that's i guess part of being socially acceptable and all those sort of things to, and to fit into to our society we learn all this but it's all this behavior modification but solomon here is saying above all else if you get nothing else get this above all else guard your heart Guard what goes in, guard what goes out. You start guarding your heart, you start working on your heart, if you, which I guess you'd probably put in today's terms, your motives, you, 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 know, you at the core. If you guard your heart, what comes in, if you guard what comes in, then what comes out, you don't have to worry about the filter. You don't have to worry about, well, when is, this, when is it okay to do this, when it's not okay to because you're working from a pure motive to start with. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Saying this is where it all happens. This is where it takes place. Um, and a lot of people, I guess, make excuses for why they can or they can't act in certain ways. And, and we probably know, you, know, you probably know some people who you know, they always have a, a reason why they behave like they do. And you know what? It's, and if we heard their story, you'd go, oh, man, that's a real good reason. I get it, you know. You see, you know, work at a school here, you see some people who come in with, um, you know, behaviour problems and you think, wow, there's a reason for that, you know. And you look at maybe something else that's going on in the background and there's a reason for that and that's, you get it. But as you grow, as we, you know, probably get towards how old, you know, a senior student and we, we become adults all that sort of stuff to actually start owning that and you think well how long am I going to use that as excuse or am I going to try and guard the heart am I going to try and work out and what's what's pure what's going in and what's coming out am I going to to guard that am I going to actually am I actually going to 
take note of what that is? Am I actually going to make an attempt? Am I actually going to put some effort into guarding what comes in so that what goes out might be just a little bit of high level so we don't have to worry about that filter? Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It is the centre. Um, and quite often, I guess, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people who maybe make excuses for, for who they are. And like I said, we, we would go, yeah, look at that. That's, that's a pretty ordinary situation. I get that. But at the end of the day, uh, it's, like a, it's like someone who, you know, who goes in and sees a doctor and might be, a, you know, he might be a little bit overweight and he's got some heart issues and he's got some blocked arteries because of his lifestyle choices and, you know, never hasn't, hasn't exercised, you know, for the last 50 years and eats whatever he wants, all that sort of stuff, and goes into the doctor and the doctor says, look, You've got some serious issues and things aren't looking real well, but you, what, you know, we could probably curb it, we could probably fix this. What you need to do is enter, you know, get into a strict diet and some exercise, you know, which everyone thinks, everyone goes, yeah, that would be probably a good idea, but the bloke sitting in the chair opposite the doctor, he thinks, that's going to kill me. You know, like, that's, that's going to kill me. I can't, you know, I'm going to get real hungry if I go on a diet and try and lose weight. That's gonna, I'm going to get real hungry and, and that's going to hurt a lot and, and, and that's sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes when we take responsibility for what goes on in our heart, it does hurt a little bit. Sometimes we have to make some hard decisions. Sometimes we have to look at what we do and we have to look at the things that we take in and take responsibility for that. And you know, sometimes we have to, to, to put in some effort so that our heart can stay pure. Even if you, as I said from the start, even if you are somebody who is not probably, maybe not really right into this God stuff, um, it's probably something that you can still take on board. That if you keep pure, if you take an effort into what comes into your life and what goes into your heart, then you're going to have much more of a, or a much better opportunity to control what goes out and to be the person, I guess, that other people are going to appreciate and, and to find that fulfilment in, in your own life. Um, so for the next... Uh, for the next week or two, we, we might explore this a little bit, a little bit further about how, how we can actually do that and how we can go about guarding that heart and what difference that might be able to make in our life. And so, but I guess for today, and maybe not everyone will be here next week, you'll be off your different ways again for some of us, but, but just to take in that and just to remember that, you know what, we can live life through a filter and it will come out. It will come out every now and then and people will go, what the, where'd that come from? Or we could actually change the whole source. And we can change who we are from the inside out. And when we change, when we, and particularly, you know, we're sitting in a church here, and if we, particularly if we let God do that for us. Um, but not just wait for that to happen, not just say, well, I'll pray and when God changes my heart, then I'll act differently. Well, maybe start act differently and let him change your heart along the way. As in, maybe you control what comes in so that, what goes out may be a little different. But when we, change, when we let God change our heart, our life will be transformed. And we see things in a completely different way. And it's, a, and it's in a way that um, I believe God wants us to, to live. And seeing other people and having compassion on other people and all sorts of stuff. But we'll talk about that uh, more, I guess, next week. I'm just going to ask a few questions. Don't put up your hand, all right? I'm going to ask a few questions. And I guess this is a little reality check. 
Uh, just as we finish up, a little reality check to what might be going on in your heart. And this is for me as much as it is for you. Um, but I guess I'll just ask, you know, is, is everything going, is everything okay with you and your heart? Has there ever been a time when there's stuff, when there's something that's come out of your mouth that you thought, where did that come from? If that's the case, then maybe you need to think about your heart. Maybe you need to think about your heart if you're having extended imaginary conversations with someone else recently. I do that sometimes, just saying. Do you have any secrets that you hope nobody discovers? Maybe there's something that you could do with your heart. Have you ever, have you secretly celebrated someone else's failures? That might indicate a bit of a problem with your heart. Is there any questions that you don't want anyone else to ask you? Are there any questions that you don't want anyone else to ask you? Is there anything on your computer, computer or phone's history that you'd hate for someone else to find? Is there something that you said about someone that you'd hate for it to get back to them? And if any of those questions are, uh, you know, and there's others, but there's just a few, then maybe you have to have a bit of a look at yourself and think, instead of putting the filter out there, instead of putting my life through a filter, maybe I need to change my heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much that you love us and that it is your heart's desire to have us as a friend. Uh, and the Bible says that, that you just you just want to be with us, you want to be right there. And, and Lord, it's I guess it's a bit of fun in, in the way we've looked at, at how we live and we all do it, you know, as we grow, as we go from zeros to teenagers to adults, we all we all put our life through filters. We all, you know, try and fit in and, and we all try and find out who we are and how to act and, and Lord, but I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so very much that you accept us as we are for who we are, that we don't have to do that with you, that we can feel so totally comfortable with you because I guess at the end of the day we're all we're all sinful as the Bible describes it, we're all dodgy in some way and that's okay because you love us just that way um, but you also love us in a way I guess that we that you ask us to, to try I guess and purify ourselves in the sense of in the sense of let's do this better and let's not just live life through a filter and, and trying to figure out when and where we should do certain things but that we can act, I guess, at all times from just who we are. And I pray that we might be able to have a bit of a think about that uh, for ourselves and that you might, um, you might help us in that process. Thank you so very much again for the preppies and the families and the parents are still here, obviously in this room. Um, but thank you for the time they've given up to come and, and bless us here at Refresh with that. Uh, and I just want to ask that you can certainly just continue to bless North Pine, a school, um, and all the classes and all the stuff that happens here as well as the wider community that that's involved. So thank you very much, Lord. Amen.